What's up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. So today we have David Schneider with us here on the mic, and David is here to talk with us about the lessons he learned from travel and from starting a startup in the SaaS space. So if you aren't familiar with the SaaS space, that's software as a service, it can actually be a very difficult space to start in. So I'm really excited to have David here with us to talk about um, what we're going to be talking about today. So David, give us a little bit of background on yourself, say what's up, and let us know one thing about yourself that most people don't know. Awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Josh. Uh, a little bit of background about myself. So I used to kind of work uh, a more standard nine-to-five office job. Uh, I quit that job with my wife to go traveling. Uh, we traveled to about 60 countries in Europe and Asia, South America, Africa. That's my one fact, by the way. Um, I ran <laughs> uh, a software business, as you mentioned, called Ninja Outreach um, for about four years, bootstrapped it, sold it. Uh, now I run an agency, a marketing agency called Shortlist.io. And, and I love that because you really, I mean, you left the corporate sector and then you traveled for five years, you know, and <laughs> the number one question that's going to come into everybody's mind is how did you pay to travel to 60 countries, right? If you didn't have a job. So let's, let's delve into that a little bit. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's complicated and simple at the same time. Uh, we had saved up money to travel probably a year. Uh, so we had a buffer. Uh, we couldn't save up for five years of travel, but we could save up for about a year. And then I started, uh, I started blogging. I started a travel blog with my wife. Um, and that turned into a business, surprisingly. Uh, we learned that companies were interested in buying links on our site uh, in exchange for money uh, as a way to essentially generate, you know, SEO kind of juice for them. Um, and that, you know, that became a, a sustainable enough business for a while uh, to fund travel. And, you know, another thing that, to mention is that travel is not usually as expensive as we associate it with because we think about like, I don't know, taking three kids to Paris or something and we're like, oh wow, like how would you ever afford that? And it's like $5,000 a week or something like that. But uh, a lot of countries are a lot cheaper than the US um, and when you're not paying for a home or apartment back, back home, like you don't have a mortgage, you've really kind of gotten rid of all your stuff and your belongings and you just dedicate to travel for, you know, $1,000 a month uh, per person uh, there, you can travel to a lot of places. Uh, it may not be luxurious travel. It may not always be, you know, Paris, like I mentioned, um, but very nice places and, and totally acceptable. So um, that was that was largely how we kind of did it for five years. Eventually, we, you know, I, I did Ninja Outreach. That became a, a business that you know supplied me with a, a proper income and things like that. But that that's kind of what got us going. Yeah, that's really awesome. So we actually have a company in the travel space called Seek Spot, and it's. Um, you know, we've, we've been finding that more and more as we've been in that space is a lot of people think that it costs so much to travel. That's why I was curious how you guys did it. Because like you're saying, even if you're making $2,000 a month, if it's just one or two of you, you're, you can pretty much travel anywhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't rent a flat in uh, New York city by any means, but <laughs> you can yeah. go backpack the world. That's for sure. Well, so let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing right now with shortlist and really, you know, what's working for you right now. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's two things that are working that I'd I like to hit on. Um, uh, the first thing, honestly, the, the thing that has worked in all of my business is, is just hiring the right people and giving them uh, responsibility and autonomy. That is that is really, by and large, the biggest thing that has really ever worked for me. Um, I run Shortlist in the same way that I ran Ninja Outreach. Um, it's a remote team. It's about 20 people or so variety of different roles and just kind of providing them with the means to to work together to collaborate communicate um, and then trusting them to kind of get the job done has uh, worked well for me and my own mental sanity uh, and also just kind of getting results to the clients that's kind of 
the biggest thing, honestly. But uh, outside of that, uh, something that is also quite important has been the customer relationships and engagement. I think that now more than ever, it's, it's very much businesses about trust and relationships and making sure that you know, you're with the right provider. Um, there aren't that many services or that anybody offers that only they do. People have uh, many options to choose from uh, with any type of you know, product or service or software. So the reason for them to go with you is, is often about the connection that they feel with like the people, the customer support that they receive, feeling that they're in good hands. So I think that um, as an agency, that's really what we pride ourselves on. That's awesome. Well, and you found a pretty amazing team through, I mean, you, you outsource everything, but you have a team of, of 20 people and I, I know, you know, coming from the marketing space, these are genuine questions for me because we, you know, we ran into that problem of, you know, the cobbler's children uh, don't have any shoes. Right. So it was like, we could, we could, uh, you know, make results for other people, help them hire great people, do drive leads for them or what have you. But then when, we tried to do that for ourselves. It wasn't working as well. <laughs> and that's when you're like, dang it. I don't, I don't think I'm as good at this as I think I am. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No. So, I mean, what's, what's kind of been your tactic to keep people around first off with employees. That's, I know it's a two phase question, but you know, how, how are you keeping these people around? Because one of the biggest problems in the marketing realm is, you know, you hire somebody on and then they, um, you, you know, you basically train them and they leave and become your competition. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's always a possibility. It's something that you kind of, I think, have to accept as, you know, that, that people are going to kind of make their own decisions. They're going to go elsewhere. I mean, I also left a job um, that, you know, treated me well, you know, but it just sort of wanted to do other things and, and that's life. Um, I think that, you know, in, in our case, and this is, you know, with Ninja Outreach for Shortlist, we've had very low turnover. Um, and in a few times that it happened, I mean, it just really wasn't a fit usually from the beginning. It wasn't somebody with us for a long time. Um, and the ways that, that we're able to do that is number one, um, one of our hiring mechanisms is often person to person referrals. Uh, so somebody has a friend or a relative or something like that. Um, and they bring that person in. And when you're working with your friends, uh, that's, that's fun. You know, you, you want to stay in that business. So yes, there's a potential that maybe four people at once maybe would leave. Um, you know, that's, that's a risk, uh, but it's less likely that any individual one person w- would leave. So now you just have to think about how can we keep the group kind of intact. And, you know, my philosophy is really just trying to tie people to the business, like in an incentive uh, way. And I don't mean necessarily monetarily, although that is uh, definitely part of it because people need to be paid well. Uh, but for them to feel that if the business is doing well, that it's somehow trickling back down to them in a way uh, that if we hit certain milestones that they're going to be rewarded in a way. So for example, um, we have different tiers uh, based on the businesses, money in the bank. Okay. That's for me, the, the biggest marker of profitability is like how much money do we have in the bank at any one time? And so if we hit different tiers, these result in uh, added vacation days, added sick days, basically added benefits for the employees, um, things like that, um, stipends, whatever. Um, so it's this idea that, you know, the business does well, um, it's going to come down to you. And I think that that is still a rarity nowadays that, you know, that people at an executive level and a management level are thinking about how can we uh, make sure that rewards pass through the business to the actual employees. Uh, employees, re- employees really appreciate that. Um, and they're going to be inclined to stick around because they know that's hard to get elsewhere. So that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I will also say that um, we work uh, almost strictly with um, outsourced labor in Eastern Europe. 
Um, and uh, they honestly don't have as many opportunities as, as people maybe in America do, um, and they're not used to being paid as well. So that is a little bit of an advantage that, not, not that we're like the best ship in town or something like that, that's not what I'm trying to say, but I, I think that the competition of, of people leaving to go elsewhere is less. In America, right. it's like there's so many companies you can kind of work for and stuff that people are always looking for the next best thing. Right. Well, and how are you able to find, I know this random question, but how are you able to find people in, in Eastern uh, Europe? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, so I, I'm used to doing that from, from way back in Ninja Outreach. Um, you know, it started with, with Upwork. Upwork is just a marketplace for finding freelancers. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually kind of got comfortable using that platform and, and interviewing people and feeling comfortable that I didn't know them Personally, I hadn't physically met them, but I was comfortable working with them and trusting them with, you know, uh, sort of sensitive information. Um, and then once you get the hang of it, uh, you become more comfortable adding more people to that. Or like I said, you ask a person that you're already working with who they might know, who they'd like to bring onto the team. And it just kind of grows from there. That's awesome. I love that. Well, and you're bringing me back. So the first book I read when I was doing my MBA was uh, Winning by Jack Welch. And he talked a lot about um, what, you, what you're applying there. You know, as you say, it's all about the incentives and it doesn't always have to be monetary, but, and I think, you know, that trickles down into your customer interaction. You know, your customers seem to really latch onto your brand when your team is happy. It's really interesting. It's infectious. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, obviously, yeah, money, I, I, I don't want to downplay that like somebody's going to work for nothing. But right. I think more than that, people want to feel appreciated at work. They want to feel like a sense of purpose that the work they're doing is adding value. And if you're kind of, you know, checking those boxes, um, you know, people people are going to be pretty sticky. I don't think they're going to really always be looking for something else because they know they got something good here. Yeah. And I love that because I, I know like even for us, we do a lot of our stuff outsource as well. And, and I've, I've done that even when we try to find partners for companies that we start because it's, I mean, like you said, it's infectious and I love that. Well, and I'd like to turn the conversation a little bit now towards the, the consumer side, you know, like what's, what's been working really well for you guys to get clients for yourself. I know a lot of yours is word of mouth traffic, but you know, what, what else have you been using to, to see results? Yeah, a couple of channels that have sort of worked for us. Um, I, networking, honestly, is what really got the business off the ground for shortlist. Um, and, and that's obviously a hard thing to kind of replicate because you can't say, hey, go network. You know, like uh, it's something that you build up over the years. You build up relationships. and um, But it is worth mentioning that um, – Yes, it is maybe not like an, an active process always to kind of go and network, but it is something to be cultivated, to be having conversations, and just to be listening. Uh, we're not kind of always trying to pitch everyone we know on our services, uh, but we are trying to talk with them, listen, you know, understand what they're working on. And if we see an opportunity, then we say, hey, you know what? We, I know a guy who does that work or we do that work or something like that. And then it, it, it makes a lot more sense and it feels like it's coming from the right place because uh, people are so sensitive to being pitched to nowadays, especially in the marketing niche uh, yeah. for good reason. So, uh, you know, networking certainly. And then obviously, you know, word of mouth can spring from that because, you know, you build up some clients and stuff like that. Um, but I would say, you know, in terms of just introducing new people into the pot that we haven't ever really had a relationship with before, um, it has definitely been outreach, you know, for us, um, direct outreach via email. 
but we are not, you know, spamming thousands of people a week or something like that with just a, uh, some blanket pitch. Um, we message a, a very small number of people um, who we really feel kind of fit our target market. And, and each email has at least some element of real customization to it. And I don't mean like, hey, in their first name level of customization. I mean that like we've looked at their website, we've done a bit of an analysis, we have some examples of keywords that we think that they could rank higher for, or we know a competitor in their niche that is doing well that we want to kind of reference. Um, you know, there's something in there that kind of says, yeah, we've actually taken a look at this person. And, you know, that, that it, you know, it still has to, timing has to be right. The person still has to be in the mindset of, oh, yeah, I was looking for an SEO agency or something like that. Um, but, if, but that does separate you, I think, from, from the rest. Yeah. And I love that. And that's a method that we've used even, I mean, we haven't done email as much, but with LinkedIn, I mean, everybody's trying to create these automated processes, you know, and they'll spend time and money and trying to figure out how to make it. So it just puts their name in and you can get appointments. But what we've even found is, you know, instead of spamming a thousand people and having customization there, doing what you're talking about, you're going to get the same results by reaching out to 25 people on your own and doing the research yourself. And if you don't do it yourself, I mean, you could pay somebody, you know, $10, $15 an hour to do that for you, you know? <laughs> Pretty so, much. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I, I, um, you know, having it, we, you know, we have a business development department. Uh, it's just, it's just a couple of guys. Uh, but it, it means that somebody is kind of, somebody owns that, you know, somebody has to own acquisition. They have to own business development. It's not something that just is going to kind of always happen organically. People have to be kind of responsible for it. They have to have their own KPIs and they have to be able to kind of make adjustments when they see things. I don't think it's, advisable always to to outsource that that type of work to another service or an agency unless you've kind of figured out yourself um, the right way to go about it and then maybe you could take that process or something and, and kind of give it to somebody else but you should understand it yourself first right 100 percent. we've even found that i mean sales is one of the hardest pieces to outsource because most times they just want to talk to the owner right and yeah in an agency type model. <laughs> and if you're trying to sell high ticket clients, I think a lot of people are trying to avoid that as much as possible. But like you said, you've got to have a rock solid sales process that you've built first and then you can hire people. So I do love that. Well, and, and then, so your company is, is really intriguing to me. I mean, when we first, you know, got in contact, I was looking at shortlist and I mean, you're not really an agency. I mean, you've, you've basically created a software as a service platform for people to get their marketing all done in one place. So give, give us a little background on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea that we have is, uh, first of all, businesses don't need just one thing, they need kind of everything, right? So they're looking for SEO, they're looking for design and dev, and they need like a dedicated strategist to um, to kind of uh, run that. Um, so, you know, our, our ideal customers is usually a small business um, that doesn't um, have a, a dedicated marketer or CMO, they're not doing everything in house, um, but they have something going. They have obviously a product and a service and customers and things are sort of working, uh, but they just don't quite have it, have it, have all the strategy together. So uh, what we like to do is we like to set them up with uh, a marketer. Uh, they're from our team, but that marketer effectively joins uh, almost their organization. They'll join their Slack channel. Um, they'll get an email address with that company uh, and they begin to start to know and understand the organization, what their values are, what's important to them. And by doing that, they can start to actually create the, the marketing strategy because until you really know the company, you really shouldn't be kind of creating a strategy for them. It wouldn't make much sense. And then once the strategy is created, then they look at us as an agency and they look for us to kind of fill those gaps. So they might need to design or develop landing pages. They might need some SEO and they draw from those resources 
resources. So it's the idea of that we we give you somebody dedicated to who, who is your direct point of contact um, in a very like uh, no barrier uh, type of way. But then we also supply you with kind of the pool of, of resources to, to draw from to be able to get the work done so we can kind of be more full service. Love that. So essentially, you're giving them a CMO. <laughs> you're going to the CEO who's probably being the, the CMO and saying, hey, let's let's replace you in this sense. That's pretty awesome. One of the easiest ways to start. And so you guys have been covering all sorts of different, I mean, you cover all sorts of different types of marketing, like their SEO, their, um, do you do Facebook ads, that kind of stuff as well? Yeah, we can do paid ads. We do yeah, design and dev and, and you know, conversion rate optimization and all those different types of things. And then each niche, niche is, is, is very different as well. Uh, we've worked with, you know, B2C, B2B companies and, and, you know, cannabis or Bitcoin or just so many different uh, industries. Uh, and it really, and, and that's why I, I, I feel strongly about the model that there has to be this dedicated marketer because they really have to understand the industry like because it's just so different and you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to marketing strategy so they really kind of have to be able to be given the permission to work directly with a client and the marketers are not juggling multiple clients they like only have the one um, to essentially kind of learn about it that's really awesome well and you guys you know so having worked with so many different companies like you said, there's no one size fits all, but where's kind of your starting point for most of these companies when it comes to marketing? Like where's the first piece that you work on with them? First thing is always to try to understand low hanging fruit by, you know, what's working today and maybe what could we try to kind of scale up? Um, so they may have uh, some sort of affiliate program or referral program that's doing well, but they don't have all the processes kind of worked out. Um, right. So that could be something. Um, it could be that the website is getting a lot of traffic, but it's not converting well. So we're going to kind of look at their design, uh, you know, the design aspects of that, maybe try to run some split tests. Um, it does, you know, it does really depend uh, with each company, but with marketing in general, uh, starting from scratch is just kind of a painful process. And it also uh, often doesn't align with clients' expectations for results because it just takes a lot more time than they're kind of expecting. But if you can take something that's kind of already working and, and get a 10 or 20% lift or something like that, um, people are, are going to kind of respond to that. So that's, that's always where we look first. That's awesome. I was always curious about that because I know for us, we try to come in and, and just fix their Facebook ads right off the bat. And when I first started in the marketing space and honestly, for some companies, that's not the easiest way for them to get business. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even the most uh, or least, most cost effective, I guess you could say. So that's really yeah. cool, man. Well, so let our, let our listeners know where they can reach out to you guys and how they can get in contact with you. Absolutely. Uh, so as you mentioned, uh, shortlist.io is, is my unagency, we call it. And my email address is Dave at shortlist.io. Uh, I'm not particularly active on social media. Uh, so I'm really just an email guy. I love that. Isn't that funny? Most of us marketers, are <laughs> no, like, I, I freaking hate social media, but I, I, I love reaching out to people the old school ways. <laughs> old school way. If I could do pen and paper effectively, like I probably would, uh, but I can't. So it's just, uh, it's just all email. I could be typing my notes here, but I always write them by hand. I, I know how it goes. <laughs> That's awesome, Dave. Well, awesome. Before we leave, though, give us one last parting piece of guidance. Yeah, one last parting piece of guidance. Well, I suspect, uh, you know, if this episode goes live uh, anytime soon, uh, probably people are thinking about COVID and, and everything that's kind of going on. Uh, my own personal kind of opinion is I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe not the, the best time or the easiest time right now, but it, if we can kind of, you know, power through it, stay a little defensive, 
Um, again, out on the other side, you'll actually end up better off because unfortunately, you know, not, not everybody will, there'll be less competition and stuff like that. So stay positive, stay optimistic, just keep working on, on whatever you can kind of handle, uh, at the time, be kind to yourself. Um, and good luck. I love that, Dave. Yeah. Stay optimistic. That's honestly probably the best advice you could get at this point is things are going to turn back up. So Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Thank you, Josh, for having me.